Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Today, December 28th, 2022, thank you so much for joining me today. It's going to be a shorter show, jam-packed full of information. As, this, as you can see from the title, today is just one of those days where I've been saying essentially what this title says for a while now and just really making it clear and it's not just my opinion. This is based on the scientific literature by peer-reviewed sciences, by, by systemic reviews, and of course by people like Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Maholtra, and many other doctors out there, Danny Rancourts, uh, Dr. Bakhti, Dr. Cole, all these people out there that have been yelling this for a long time. And the data and the science are backing up what they're saying. Which not, And it's important to understand this. Not that these things are bad in some ways or have, you know, their uses here, but they're good over there. But these things are dangerous, like independent from the concept of vaccination. Whatever you want to pretend this does is a separate conversation to what this, this substance is creating and doing to your body. Then on the other side of it, you've got the vaccination discussion and whether it even has the efficacy that they claim it does and whether that in and of itself causes its own problems. It's, it's just overwhelmingly obvious, and we should not shy away from saying what is obvious today, not because my opinion, not even because of the opinions of the doctors, but because of all of it included, my opinion, their opinions, their research, their standing, and all of the peer-reviewed science we've shown you, the peer-reviewed systemic reviews, the peer-reviewed um, random controlled trials, the ones we keep showing you from the British Medical Journal. The recent one that says that these net, the booster mandates are going to create a net harm. There's really no misunderstanding that. So we're going to go through today with another important development coming from the Washington Post. You know, revealing to you things that you already knew if you were paying attention. But breaking news, things you knew from before. But it's important because it's reaching some of the normie people out there, the average people that aren't really paying attention to these conversations. It is reaching them now because of this. But is it going to rake, awaken them to something or is it only going to bring them up to speed to the point to where the agenda controllers want them to be at and dripping it out through places like the controlled corporate media and not giving you the source material and giving you partial information you know truth light well, we're going to go into that today and go through more studies on top of the one they're pointing at why you already knew this that it's always been a pandemic of the injected because of the data not my opinion but because what we've proven to you since at least 2021 in the beginning and we're going to go through a few other important uh, points being made by other doctors that are speaking out all around the world, from Bangkok to UK to Scotland, everywhere doctors, not just some little doctor practice on the corner. They matter too, but highly regarded cardiologists, scientists, doctors, PhDs, and so on, speaking up and telling you what they're seeing. It's just overwhelming. And we're going to finish with a really important point today that I know you guys are going to love. You know, part of it is kind of a... Um, I don't even know if you want to call it enjoyable for the wrong reasons, but it's nonetheless an important point to show you. It's kind of a vindicating point to show you who, in fact, has been the group by and large being discriminatory 
in regard to COVID vaccination status and whatever else throughout this entire process, vaxxed versus unvaxxed. And, you know, who really is the one carrying out all the horrific acts that we've been told we're committing because we choose to make our own medical choices. Now, stay tuned to the end because you guys are going to appreciate it. it's an important conversation. But we're going to start today with the one quick point. Oh, actually, whew, I, <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself. I am so bad about making bringing things up that are outside the show, either the beginning or the end. Really bad. I have it written here. I have a post on the wall. I'm <laughs> this close. I almost forgot. Anyway, I had an important announcement that I wanted to make today that I'm really excited about. And and I genuinely am, despite the fact that I forget nearly anything I write down for if it's not focused on the show. But really excited. Well, two things I want to announce. One is that in a really interestingly, in an odd way, Parler, who was supporting Last American Vagabond for a very brief moment, decided to no longer do that. I don't really know why. It was not even a full month, it seems, that they were supporting. So, you know, so I would use Parler more. And that's really what that the whole thing was about, which is a lot of these platforms do. But seeing as how they weren't censoring me and I hadn't noticed any censorship and they wanted to support the last American Vagabond, that's how we work anyway. Anybody wants to donate and support, they can. And so we continue to do that. We were saying, follow us on Parler. And then just very quickly, just I got an email saying they just it's not capping anymore. And it's interesting because I was doing everything we agreed to. And it was interesting because the person who wanted to set it up was clearly a supporter of the last American Vagabond. Within the first two weeks, he got shuffled away and apparently wasn't allowed to talk to me anymore. And then they just ended it. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm only saying all this because my instincts tell me that it was because somebody on that platform didn't like what I was doing and they just kind of don't want to shuffle me. I don't know. But either way, it's odd to say, hey, we want to promote you. And then less than a month later, kind of pull it away. But the important part is right on the tail of that, I got a very great call from a friend of mine, Richard Grove, who reached out and said, Hey, I want to I want to support the last American vagabond. I like what you're doing. As you guys know, I, I, I greatly support Grand Theft World. I love autonomy, the program that he's running uh, uh, with Josh Hale, I believe. And they're doing a great job in this. It's sort of a kind of in an interesting way, uh, different, completely different things. But in a similar way, what uh, James Lyons Weiler was trying to do with his course, medically focused. It's good to have these kind of platforms out there where people are trying to put together Ways that you can educate yourself and not through very controlled structures and learning the way that you're supposed to see things because that's what the experts say, but, you know, broad and objective research and you can choose by different courses and so on. And that's what autonomy is. And I told you guys that I am going to be or I already completed at least one part of a course that I'm doing for autonomy, which if you guys are part of autonomy, you guys can sign up for and, and take it's on objectivity and in maintaining objective stance in research. Now, the great part about this is Richard wants to support The Last American Vagabond along with that, but independently. So that being said, we're going to be supporting autonomy in general, but we already are because we're something it's something I believe in. And on top of that, it's something that I'm also going to be doing, like I said, of course, that you can follow for yourself. So I will be at this is super preliminary. We just spoke today. I'm going to have a link for you guys to be able to follow which will support me, support autonomy and so on and uh, give you more ways to check that out. And, and I just want to give you a brief kind of announcement on that today because i'm just excited about it and i and i like seeing more and more connection between the independent media so i guarantee you there are things that like just richard and myself personally probably disagree on or the platforms have different opinions on but we have objective views and we're willing to work with each other the truth is we agree on most everything but regardless the objective stance the non-partisan uh 
perspective, I guess. Anyway, so I wanted to make sure that was clear and shout it out to you guys so you guys know that you can support us there as well. Make sure you check those courses out anyway because I think doing a great job over there and I'll have more coming your way in the future. But I am just happy to see more of that going on and I want to see more of that in the future. Oh, I guess since I'm here giving announcements, one of the thing was that I set up a Twitter spaces, which you guys know I'm very on the fence about the whole damn thing. But because of my last recent experience where I sat there for an hour and wasn't even allowed to be given the speaker status, which they're, they're not obligated to do, but it was requested and they just kept skipping over and giving new people even the, uh, the, the, the in line to speak. And it just it felt odd. It felt controlled. My personal opinion. So I figured, why not give it a shot? We'll do our own Twitter spaces. And I'll, I'll be announcing that more in the days to come. It's on the 7th. I already have it set. You can check my Twitter profile for that. But I've got a bunch of people already interested in joining, and it's going to be a general conversation, very, very critical of the Twitter files and the absence of source material and general COVID narratives. And I'm hoping to get a lot of bigger people in there, too. You know, that people I've invited Dr. Peter McCullough. He's very busy. We'll see if he comes anyway. So keep an eye out for that. And maybe that'll be the only one. Maybe I'll walk away feeling that I don't like the whole dynamic, but we're going to give it a shot and see if we can actually have kind of a counter conversation to the only ones that are happening right now. All that being said, and interestingly enough, connected to that, let's start off with this uh, tweet. And the reason I say that is because Mario is one of these main hosts right now of a whole Twitter spaces field. And, you know, just it's it's interesting to see the people involved. I know nothing about Mario for that matter. I just I'm pointing it out just because uh, this was the person hosting it when I was on the last one. And, it, you know, and his by his own admission doesn't seem to be incredibly immersed in a lot of these topics. And I think it's it would behoove us to have more and more of these with more people involved, especially the hosts that are very much aware of the dynamics or rather the nuances around these conversations. So you don't just get the left, right, back and forth conversation. You know, you get the real conversation all the middle part. But as I said, he put this out today and I thought it was a great place to start. How can one find the truth among all the opinions? Now you see, this is a great question and it does seem to give the impression that he's beginning to see, you know, the, uh, having steps towards enlightenment and understanding that you don't just take one side or the other out. This is just my, just gleaning off what he said here, but it also shows you that this is a person, in my opinion, that is just now kind of getting into this point where, oh, well, before we were taking different sides and taking things at face value. But now, now, what do we do? You know, what do you do when you have a bunch of opinions? Well, see, this is the point. This is what you have always known because we've always talked about it in this circle, the, the community of the last American vagabond. Well, my answer was research, due diligence, come to your own conclusion. That's all there ever really is. Anything else is a combination of trust and assumption. Now, really think about that. That doesn't mean that's you, that none of those things matter. But the, it, it, at any other point, you're simply taking what experts or other people in certain fields will have to say. And that's, that's valid sometimes, at least as long as you can walk away going, well, I'm taking what they said. That I don't know for sure, but a lot of times that's just the way life works. You don't have access to all of the materials and resources. The internet's changed that a lot these days, but we've been trained this way for a long time. And many are only just now seeing that. Despite all the madness, there is a lot to be hopeful about, guys. People are waking up to this stuff. My point is simply that we, it's been a long time since we've really tried to stand back, I think, as a general society and realize that we've taken gigantic leaps away from self-responsibility for a long time. And I believe people are beginning to realize how dangerous that is. Maybe that's just my hope. So when we have somebody like this asking, what can one, how can you find the truth? 
the point is, it's up to you, man. It's always been up to you. It's not about, you know, it, it's interesting that this is where we're going. And I think the Twitter kind of conversation is dangerous because we're on this knife's edge and it, it can go one way or the other. And I feel like we're about to be pushed into the direction of taking things at face value based on clout, assumption, personal opinion. And that's what the two-party paradigm has in spades. But a lot of people that were questioning it and thinking this was another way to transparently reveal stuff or kind of getting trapped back in. This is what always happens. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. But really, history shows us that we should at the very least question these things because that's how this works. But keeping that in mind, in all of this stuff, that's what we're going to do today. We went to research the source material, go through it, read it, look up things you didn't know. Find other ways to do, you know, do your due diligence around each study and the people around them, where they come from. Come to your own conclusion about the bigger picture. Now, hopefully this today will give some people some insight and some steps in that direction. So you can go through these and not just take what I'm saying or anybody else and actually come to your conclusion about what this shows you. So let's start with something interesting on that point. And this is the first part of the conversation today around the recent developments from the Washington Post. The Vigilant, the Vigilant Fox shared this. Dr. Leanna Wen now admits pandemic of the unvaccinated was a total lie. Now, <clears throat> that's essentially what Tucker is framing it as. And then Vigilant Fox frames what Tucker's framed as the reality. But the, the deeper part of this is that's not really what happened. Now, I, it's blowing my mind is that she's willing to come out and, and say the exact opposite of what she was saying before. Now, within all of the one-sided left-right paradigm light truth light perception coming from any side of the left right paradigm there is some truth in there the reality that she did say something that is completely contradictory and even the fact that she didn't admit what that what she said before was wrong she's essentially saying that what she's saying now is the evolution of the information but guess what the thing you won't find in this which would give you the tools to argue this instead of just saying tucker said is that the science she's pointing to was from the middle of the year and all the way back in the beginning of the year so think about that. When she's been saying these things, let's just say go back to February, March, when she was doing the rounds and she was saying that unvaccinated shouldn't have choices. Well, that means that she didn't care about that science then. And how does that make sense? You'll see what I mean, because she's referencing science in this claim from the beginning of the January 2022. So my point is not to say that what Tucker's saying is necessarily wrong, but it's the way that it's packaged and the way that it gives you no ammunition to be able to argue this for yourself. And truly, it's a little bit of a stretch. It's more of a, here's what I see it as, framed as what the facts show you, and that's not really the case, which is typically how corporate media presents itself. Now, you see for yourself. Don't listen to just me, because you know I have a very clear bias against corporate media, so take that into account. It says the CDC, this is the quote, uh, she, the CDC, she said, now, at, set, now has determined that vaccinated people who never had COVID were at least three times as likely to be infected as unvaccinated people with prior infection. Now, that's one of the biggest issues for me is that he's saying this as if this just happened, that Lena Wen has now determined. Well, that's not really even the case either. Lena Wen is simply going, here's what two studies say. So the why it can't, seems balanced on how Lena Wen has now decided versus now she thinks otherwise it keeps you balanced on whether the expert says one way or the other. Still, it's whether or not we're going, look at Lena Wen's lying and she got caught lying. You're still using her statements as the deciding factor. How about we just get rid of Lena Wen entirely and go to the source material? How about that? But you see, you don't get that with corporate media. You get a filter. That's what Twitter files are right now, a filter. You get somebody else saying, this is what it says behind me. And, you, and they may be right. And in this case, they're kind of right. Now let's get into it and I'll show you what I mean. 
Here's the clip. Let's watch this in, in, in its entirety first. It's not very long. And who shared with his own daughter, who smiles when he's mad. This is a man who will say literally anything. If the Chinese military unleashed a deadly maniac... Like, I just have to say right out of the gate, just, you know, I don't think, I don't think anybody... <laughs> I, hopefully not. People, I mean, I, I don't know. Who knows? People trust CNN, Fox News today. But just the way that... I mean, I see it everywhere. What, whether it's New York Times, Washington Post, Fox News, CNN. They have all gotten really, 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 le- I guess, lazy with... I mean, just I, I can point out a thousand different subjective things that are said in this that you can say, well, yeah, it's just a monologue, but this is this is supposed to be high level journalism, whether it's Tucker or whether it's anybody else on CNN. The point is, this is we perceive this as journalism. It's not. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think any corporate media really are these days. But if that's the case, then you're he's saying a lot of things that are kind of like really over the I don't know. You, my point is, I don't know why we've gotten really comfortable as a society with with this, a lot of this kind of clownish corporate media representation, which is funny. I get, I laugh at a lot of the stuff Tucker says, but I still go, wow, that's, that's pretty, that's, you know, like where, you get my point. And this is why people get frustrated because they like this and it's fun and they enjoy it. And we all don't think Biden is smart. We all think that, but when it comes to journalism, you should be better than that. Just my opinion. And you know what? I make mistakes too, but I go out of my way to try to make sure I don't do this. Seems like a choice on all sides to, Go a little further than they usually are. You know, like where it went from before, it used to be two sources. Now it's just one anonymous source we don't have to prove anymore from all sides. Me and Robert, Robert and I had a great conversation about this recently where we've watched this happen over the years. Now, let's play it all the way through. Manufactured flu virus on the world, Joe Biden would blame you for it and actually anything. If the Chinese military unleashed a deadly manufactured flu virus on the world, Joe Biden would blame you for it. Yeah, last thing, and we're still there. That's we're still on the Chinese did this still of all this time after regardless of whether or not it even came from that lab, which I still dispute in a general sense because of all the data. It could very well have, but it's been seen and and found provably in numerous countries long before 2020. I don't know why they keep just going China. We at, at best it's up in the air. And then if you want to say that we know it came from that lab, which is a fair argument to have. You can't just pretend the U.S. government was not involved for crying out loud. I mean, they're immersed in that place. In fact, we can prove, as even I think Tucker has said in other conversations, we know that they outsourced the research. We know North Carolina University, Ecolab Hell. Okay, but China bad guy did it. <laughs> Come on, guys. We can't be that stupid. This is so frustrating that we it's it's the same old China bad guy. Grab the microphone. Trump said from the very beginning with very limited evidence while we knew that they knew what was going on there before this happened. I mean, it just it kills me. Now, I swear to God, I'll let it play all the way through. <laughs> and actually, he did. People are dying of COVID, Joe Biden told us, because you have questions about an experimental mRNA shot that doesn't really work and whose long-term effects we can't know. You're the criminal here. Not the Chinese government, because you're, quote, unvaccinated. You must be punished. That was the message from the White House, picked up and eagerly disseminated by Biden's equally soulless stooges in the media. And here's one of them, Leanna Wen formerly of abortion giant Planned Parenthood, now of CNN. We have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status, because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you are vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have, because otherwise people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. (laughs) 
So the unvaccinated might be, quote, enjoying freedoms, fretted Leanna Wen. And everyone knows that under the U.S. Constitution, that's not allowed. Scurry back to your hovel, Kulak. No freedoms for you. The gruel is ladled at four. Slurp it with gratitude. <laughs> oh, what a difference a year makes. Now we know that everything Leanna Wen told us on CNN was a lie. And we know that. Now that CNN right there. Now, oh, oh, see, I broke my rule. I stopped it already. I was just, see, I meant to. And then I just didn't think about it when I stopped it. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> how are you going to say it's a lie? Right. I mean, do I do I think she's lied throughout this process? I do. But the, the interesting part about this is what she's saying is simply that the, the data we're pointing at is now different. Now, I made the same point about the mask. There was no new data, no new science. They just suddenly shifted the narrative. But they didn't come out and say, I was lying before. They came out and said, here's what happened. This is new. Well, if why wouldn't you come out and simply say, here's when this science was posted. Here's what she's pointing at. So that proves that when she said this, that she at least ignored that science or knew about it. You know how well, well better armed your audience would be if you just said that instead of just saying she lied? Because what happens is they go out and they say she lied. Then the other side comes back and says, no, here's what happened. And they do look stupid because what they're saying is a watered down, not even entirely true statement that's barely connected to, to what is true. And we should be calling her out and <laughs> all of them. You see, my point is it's hard to take this middle stance on this when we're trying to be absolutely objective about this. And the frustrating part about it is I genuinely think stuff like this is meant to water this down and make this not actually move. That's just my opinion. I just, you know, I, I want to believe that people like Tucker or Trump or anybody else are genuinely trying to fight for you, you know, because Murdoch led him, apparently. I just don't know why we we would take that at face value, I guess. For certain, because amazingly, Leanna Wen just admitted it. This week, Wen acknowledged that actually, this is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's the opposite. Which the CDC, she said, has now determined that, quote, vaccinated people who never had COVID were at least three times as likely to be infected as unvaccinated people with a prior infection. Wow. Wow bombshell for some people apparently but if you have been on this channel you knew this a year ago exactly what it's saying you know why because that's actually a study from january 2022 and we've talked about this numerous times but apparently because lena leanna wen suddenly says otherwise now we can point this out now to be really clear tucker's made points thus far that have kind of you know went in this direction but to make it as if this is now the thing, this is now the case because Leanna Wen said so on the like, that's what he's citing right here. He's citing her quote from The Washington Post, not the science she's referencing, not the studies that we're talking about. The fact that she, quote, said that is why we now have the she lied. She admitted it. Now we know. So wait, so you trusting what she says? Right. I mean, think about that. So she said it before and yet we challenged her. Now she says otherwise. Now you're like, we knew it. Why do we know it? Because she said so? Like, it, it, I'm not saying that's what he's saying, but this is how it gets perceived, that we're taking this because she shifted her opinion, as if the only thing that changes our opinions is with the when the elites on the high tower tell us they now change their minds. And then we can go, we knew it, you lied to us. Pull a Ben Shapiro, we were lied to. Well, we knew this already, guys. We knew this because of the science, because of other doctors who were telling you this, who were pointing at the same science we were, which is probably why we saw it because we were doing this a long time ago. I just don't know why we can't get past the, the drip-controlled release of information way after the fact. This is now becoming the point that people reference, just like with the transmission point and the member of parliament in the EU and these other weird moments where they go, now we know, breaking news, and they point back to Tucker's tweet 
or whatever this pic this video is. We don't have source material to back it up, and it becomes a forever argument between people that have already made their minds up. This is this is what this is meant to do, in my opinion, guaranteed to maintain people divided. Even though it's, I mean, that may blow people's minds, and it should, because this should be huge. What they're saying is true, <laughs> and you can prove it. We proved it back in January. And a Lancet study, continuing the quote, found that those who were vaccinated but never had COVID were four times as likely to have a severe illness resulting in hospitalization or death compared to the unvaccinated who recovered from it. <laughs> I mean, what? So the vaccinated, really? like, what's the, I mean, really like? What's the response for like that? Like, that's shocking. His response is that is shocking news. Why? Because apparently Lena Wen said so. Are four times as likely to be hospitalized or die from COVID. Four times. So it turns out that none of your vax propaganda was true, to put it mildly. It was all a lie. The question is, can we, can we get our lives back now? How about our economy, our jobs? When's the part when you break down in racking sobs of contrition and beg forgiveness for misleading the entire country in matters of life and death and hurting people? We look forward to that part, though obviously we're not holding our breath. So I, I asked the main question at the end here. And instead of saying that she lied, would it not be more constructive in actually reaching people to simply point out here is why here's the here's the evidence, right? Here's the evidence. And here's why you can show that this was always the case. The moment you become when it becomes simply that we caught her in a lie, it becomes which I'm not even saying that's not something you should point out. What I'm saying is we can't prove that she lied. We can prove that it, it could be possible that she thought she was right when she said that. I'm not trying to give any kind of account, a lack of accountability. You know what I think she is. I've made it clear before. I think the reason it's being framed that way is division. Okay, I'll let it go. I think that's very important, though. I really I think this is such an obvious, important point. Now, let's go through the actual information. All right, so that's what you get from Fox News. Now, obviously, that's not the entire clip. Basically, that's what the that's the gist of it, though. That's what we're talking about. Now, here is the on the simplified version, the Washington Post opinion, a compromise on the military covid vaccine mandate. This is written by Liana Wendt. Now, the point here is that, you know, she came out and essentially was in favor of ending the, the mandate for the military. And people didn't like that. She's came, she's weirdly come along to a lot of different shifting opinions even though in the beginning she was saying like the hardest line possible, that vaccinated shouldn't be free and they shouldn't be, you know, and so on. And now she's been shifting the, the opinions. Now, is it possible that she just changed her mind? Sure. I don't believe that. I just really don't because a lot of the things she said before didn't seem rooted in anything new, just that it suddenly was decided to change. But still, same point. You know, I, I don't think how we could know for sure. But so what she's talking about here is that. And the way she argues this is so strange. Saying that, yeah, what exactly what he read out, and I'll show you the studies they come from, but then weirdly arguing that they still have benefits. So she says here to create, an, basically, it's an excellent point. Basically, that, that basically saying that force readiness is so important, so important that we need to be ready for war all the time. That we need to force the military because otherwise they might not be ready. I just, you know, these, these arguments blow my mind, but it says this is an excellent point that has led me to partially reconsider my position. There might be a compromise, keep the mandate in place, but create an opt out for those who have already contracted COVID-19. Now, one of the most important things I think in this is that she basically clearly argues two things that are absolutely taboo in the trust the science vaccines great no matter what crowd, which is one that natural immunity has always and is still better than anything else. 
which is the truth. It's always been the truth. All the science has always said that. And she's just finally saying that, which is kind of the point I just made before. There's, that's, I don't see how that can be honest from her. But on top of that, so that, that natural immunity is better, but that ultimately people that have had it before and with inject, basically you compare the two and it's exponentially safer for people that don't have it in their body. So she's saying create an opt-out for those that already got it. But you're still talking about a testing situation here. You're still forcing people to go through some sick until proven not sick situation. But it says abundant research shows natural immunity conveys excellent protection against COVID. It's just amazing that that's still disputed, even by people in in corporate media, in the government, in places like the NIH and the CDC. It blows my mind. Again, despite almost every single study highly done, like done from the la- the main platforms, Nature, Science, Science Org, all of them, all of them say lasting, durable, and robust. For crying out loud, the NIH study in 2020 said lasting, durable, robust. Or yeah, pretty sure that was 2020. If not, it was 2021. But then you go to the WHO study, says the same thing. Still, and yet somehow they managed to argue, well, we don't know for sure, or whatever they say. But here she is saying abundant research like apparently there was abundant research done in the last 24 hours. No, there's been abundant research, as I'm saying, on this since the beginning. Excellent protection. It says one CDC study found that vaccinated people who never had COVID were at least three times as likely to be infected as unvaccinated people with prior infection. OK, we'll start there, seeing as how you know this already. Why? Because we talked about this in January. We were ready to say that January, 20, January 28th, 2022. <laughs> Now, this is something we literally pointed at before. And the point is, this is the same stuff we said then, and the same people pushed back on it and said, that's crazy. You're crazy. That's fake news. Even though this is on a CDC study, persons who survived a previous infection had lower case rates than persons who were vaccinated. Now, yeah, they go through mental gymnastics to make this fit into their narrative, but this is the fact. Because the other, that's been backed up routinely since then. Now, we'll get to this one next. Her bottom line, her point is she's going, well, look, people with natural infection fare better. Period. Three times as likely to be infected if you have injections in your body. We have numerous studies backing that up. And a Lancet study found that those who were vaccinated but never had COVID were four times as likely to have severe illness. So not only are you highly likely to get it, more three times as those not injected if you're if you are injected and then also have never gotten sick before that with covid you know this is again within the narrative you're likely to have severe illness resulting in hospitalization or death compared to those unvaccinated who recovered from it all this is and this is guys you know this is what i've been saying the only factor here is whether you've got natural immunity now natural immunity by itself lasting durable robust including to new variants of concern as we've continued to show you on this channel on the show. But then you've got the combination factor. They love to yell that it's better if you get the vaccination on top of it. No, no. Numerous studies have routinely continued to show you that that creates more problems. Antibody-dependent enhancement or rather molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming. We've talked about all these. All that we're seeing in this, what they're pointing out there is that those with injections are faring terribly. Those with natural immunity aren't. Those with natural immunity and an injection on top of that fare a little bit less better because the natural immunity is still doing better than, than just the injections, but the injection pulls it down. It removes, it hurts your immune system, right? The more injections you get, the worse it gets. It's very simple. But if you've had it naturally and have had antibodies made, then you will fare better than those that never had it, but had injections. I think it's pretty simple. 
What's the con continuing factor here? That natural immunity is the one helping people and the injections are the ones hurting people. Simple. That's what all the science shows you. Unequivocally, not for anybody. They're bad for everybody because of the first point we made. Regardless of the efficacy in regard to what you think they do, the side effects and what these things do to your body is never positive. Over the long run, as we've seen routinely pointed out by peer-reviewed science, including from the British Medical Journal, they are a net harm. They increase more problems than they do solve, period. Protection, it goes on to say, from natural immunity also wanes at a slower rate than from vaccination. Well, look at that. Well, what's interesting about that is they, I still argue whether or not it, it, antibody production will always wane. That's one of the ways this was gamed in the beginning. Your body is not meant to always forever make chickenpox antibodies. They don't just make antibodies for the rest of your life. They make antibodies when you confront the problem to fight off the problem. Then your body remembers that. You've got memory B and, and T cells, and these different factors that are all involved in immunity, right? The memory cells are what remember to make antibodies when your body comes up against that problem in the future. That's immunity. The point, though, is that they look at the antibodies waning and they go, oh, it's waning. It's not working. Well, you could argue in the middle of a pandemic, if that's what you pretend is happening, that you might still be producing them because you're coming up against it everywhere. But if you have natural immunity, eventually those antibodies will stop being produced. And that doesn't mean that you're no longer immune. See my point? But on top of that, the studies we're pointing at in most cases were like eight months long. And they say, well, it ultimately we saw some waning, but then we stopped and they argue it just would go down from there. Well, maybe overall, even Lena, Leanna Wen is saying protection from natural immunity, it, it wanes slower than vaccination. So when all said and done, natural immunity is better in every possible way. A reason, By the way, it's the classic logic that we always used to pretend was the case. Or rather, now we pretend is not the case. A recent large Israeli study published in the New England Journal of Medicine compared two groups of people, one that had been vaccinated and never had COVID before, another that was that had never received vaccines, but had recently recovered from COVID. You obviously, I guarantee you already know the results. The results are striking. Two months after their shots, members of the first group had twice the number of infections as the second. So the people that had injections had twice the number of infections. After six months, the, the people with injections group was nearly three times as high, three times higher infections than the second. It's, it's exactly what you expect. People with the injections are faring worse. Mark, verifiable, statistically verifiably. It's undeniable. This is written, written by Leanna Wen. An updated booster dose, she writes, could temporarily increase effectiveness, but the Pentagon doesn't require it. So now we're getting back into the idea that, well, well, you know, despite what we literally just said, that these are hurt, <laughs> overall, natural immunity is better. We know that most people have already confronted this. They say, what, 90%? So right there alone, we're talking about, well, of course, their point is those that have been tricked into getting injections are faring worse. So therefore we can, I mean, it's amazing. You're almost saying because of the failure, we're in our own way justifying more boosters because, well, that's all they can do now because their body's being hurt by this. So we need to give them more boosters to create some reduced response until what? It peters out into nothing and your, your immune system collapses. Yeah, that's what it seems like. There's some alarming stuff we're talking about here. The next study we're going to get into is how these boosters are creating a weird situation in your body to, I am long story short, essentially create mild illness that goes on forever until you have organ failure, which is what we seem to be looking at. 
But before we go past to the booster requirement Pentagon discussion, here's the other study she was referencing. Protection and waning of natural and hybrid immunity. June 9th. So none of these things are from December 2022. But the way that it was presented on Fox News made it seem like this was new information that Leanna Wen just announced on the show, or rather whatever show on CNN. And because that was just announced, therefore she was lying. Okay, well, that's a pretty clumsy argument, especially since these weren't just new. This isn't new information. These have been there. And we were reporting it all the way back then. It shouldn't be shocking, seeing as how it's been here for a year, in this case, since June. But in that point, you could argue... Why didn't she say this in February? Why didn't she say this in June? That's a great point. Now, you can't say, that means I know that she... My point is that this shows you that they're being dishonest with you. But we shouldn't argue we know for sure in regard to how they are playing this. It's possible Leanna Wen was played. I don't believe that. But again, it matters what we can prove. And I know that. See, it's funny. That, that frustrates people right now. Why can't we just assume? Because we know she's bad. Well, well, I would argue we do know that too, but we are assuming. We got to stop doing that. I mean, look, I fall into it too. We all have our times when we want to, you know, we take our own feeling over what we can prove. But just we all can be better. Be better than the corporate media. They're constantly trying to train you back into this way. But it says... An updated booster dose could temporarily increase infectiveness. Oh, wait, hold on. I didn't go down to the uh, part here. This is the conclusion. Among persons who had been previously infected with SARS-CoV-2, regardless of whether they had received any dose of vaccine or whether they had received one dose before or after injection, protection against reinfection decreased as the time increased since the last immunity-conferring event. However, this protection was higher than that conferred after the same time had elapsed since receipt of a second dose of vaccine among previously uninfected persons. All that means you're better off without the injection. If you, well, their, their argument is that it's more dangerous to risk going through natural infection to get natural immunity, that you're better off taking a less effective stance that is hurting your immune system because it's too dangerous to risk getting COVID-19. Yeah. Cause you know, you don't want to take that 0.1% chance, you know, which is less than that. In fact, for most people, remember under 19, 20 something, 19, that's 0.0003% death risk. That is directly from the Ionitis group from the Oxford risk calculator. It's, it's less than the flu period. It's always been there guys. This has been there. But her point is, well, maybe we should kind of require one or at least give them the opportunity because they're, we've already killed their immune systems. Now they have no other choice. Now we should maybe require a booster. The existing mandate is for, that's obviously my facetious framing over what she's saying. The existing mandate is for the first two doses, she says, which most service members probably received a year and a half ago, you know, because they forced them. If that's all those in- individuals received, they are almost certainly less protected from COVID than the people who have had the virus. Almost certainly, she says. If we were saying this on Twitter pre where we are now, it would have been censored. It's just amazing that this is such an absolute, and it always has been, The people don't want to hear it. Now, Leanna Wen is a far-right extremist because she goes the other direction. The truth, in fact. But it says, which is most of the unvaccinated? Right? Which means most of her argument is most people in general have gotten this, which means most of the unvaccinated have gotten it, which means most of the unvaccinated have better immunity than anybody with injections in their body. According to a CDC analysis, more than 90% of adolescents have contracted the virus. Of the estimated 8,000 troops who have been discharged for not being vaccinated against COVID, the vast majority probably have recovered from the coronavirus and have better protection than those never infected and who received the two required inoculations but who are allowed to continue serving. 
I mean, it's completely asinine. Now, let's think about this in the context, which I'll get into in the next show, likely tomorrow, in regard to the border discussion or China, which is happening all over again, shutting down. Oh, China's now shutting things down. Or rather, specifically, the U.S. is now requiring testing for people coming in from China and acting like they're not giving us all the data. It's just it's the same, the same thing starting all over again. And shocker, they're using all the same tactics, even though we sh- apparently all know they didn't work and are harmful. Lockdowns, masks, everything. All of it's happening all over again because that was always the plan. Always. Despite what we know, it's mind blowing. The point is, if they don't stop transmission and they're barely even tuned to the current variant, what are we talking about? Why would you force someone to be injected with something that doesn't stop them from catching it or spreading it? And it's barely even efficacious. And we're not even getting into the side effects to enter the country. I mean, how do you actually make logic out of that? Why? Because you argue it reduces their symptoms. Well, that's ver- you, I, you can't verify or prove that. But even if it did, does that stop? No, it still spreads. In fact, you proved and we just pointed out they spread it more than anybody. I mean, this is just completely asinine and contradictory to the actual scientific findings. Political narrative. It says, to be clear, vaccination is still a much safer way to develop immunity. That's your point. OK, well, if based on what she just wrote down, it's kind of where she's going now obviously it should have always been your choice. It should have always been anyway. They don't have the right to force this on you. But based on her logic, she's telling you it's, you know, there's a risk to this, but it's better and safer and it works long. Okay, well, then it should have always been your choice. But that doesn't mean, she says, we should deny the existence of natural immunity, which I don't even know how that was ever possible. If the goal is to ensure a high level of protection, she says, among troops, then test for prior infection. So now we're here, right? The thing that we were actually saying early on, well, why don't we just tell, you know, why would you force this? What if they're natural immunity? But you see, the problem is that in its own way is one of the things they would the, the test, the case demic, right? If you test everyone constantly with a PCR test that is not being used properly in this context, in the conduct, uh, PCR tests are not designed to test the way they're using them as the creator and numerous other experts have made clear. It's a, it's a yes, no. It's not how you do this. Ultimately, Oh, hold on. I lost my train of thought. If the goal is to ensure high-level protection among troops, the first... Oh, well, just, yeah, then just the point that you're going to guarantee a high level of false positives, and then these people are going to... Or even the fact that they... Or in this case, we're talking about testing for antibodies. The argument... I mean, if if the point is it's obvious that most everybody would have them, whether it's from... The point is this doesn't make sense. Like, even as I'm trying to think about a a way to frame this, it just it's it's counterintuitive. Everything about this is is confusing and doesn't actually make sense with what we know, even their narrative anymore. Still, some critics, she says, will ask why there should be an opt out. Like, think about that. What's the downside of requiring everyone to be vaccinated? She says, I could tell you a thousand of them. And while we're at it, if boosters provide some temporary protection against infection, which apparently she just framed as only being necessary because they their bodies faring worse because of the injections you see my point so now the boosters are backwardly justified because of how they hurt them already and that's the only thing seemingly that's going to bring some kind of response up which is that good who knows because we can't prove that that response is actually immunity (laughs) that's what they said why not it says why not do as some readers suggested and boost all the troops every three months that's what people are actually arguing right now she says nearly every intervention has some risk And the coronavirus vaccine is no different. 
Well, yeah, that's a very benign way to say that these things are killing people. The most significant risk is myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle. Remember when that was fake news? Remember when they said, we remember they censored us? That's why the T-Lab account was censored first on Twitter, because I simply said, it looks like this is potentially causing myocarditis based on the science. Censored. Funny how that's casual discussion now. But it says, and which is most common in young men. That's, you see, this, that's not true. This, is, this has been shown. And remember, again, I've been saying this because of the science since the beginning of this conversation. That it doesn't really seem to be focused on just 18 to 29 or whatever they tried to make it. It very clearly seemed to be pretty broad. And here we are. But yet again, and it's, it's not because I'm guessing and getting it right here, guys. It's because I'm just going on what I can prove. And now they keep shoving this into just 18 to 24. Now, maybe you could argue that they have the highest risk. I still, I even argue that it seems the more of the middle seems to be the biggest problem based on what the science is that I'm seeing. But it's not just 18 to 24. It's not just young males. And I'll tell you what, it's not one or 39 cases per million, as the CDC still argues. There, I mean, they it, even here, they cite a Canadian study that says 22 for every 10,000 or 100,000, which is like four, one in 4,500. But that's still higher than I think some of the most severe recent ones. But it says, while most cases of vaccine-associated myocarditis resolve within long-term, without long-term consequences, that's not true. And that's my point. This is, even Dr. Drew was saying this before. There was no such thing as mild myocarditis. You rush to the hospital. And the point is, is we keep telling you that even mild, even non-serious cases, according to an NIH study, Increase your risk of mortality by 25 to 56%. I believe those are the numbers between within the next 10 years. The only, the only difference would be, I think, be 26 to 55, but I think it's, I just keep mixing those up. I think it's 26, 25 to 56% increase within 10 years. That's non-serious. This is just a lie, they tell you. Some individuals become very ill and require intensive care. All of them are in very severe risk because they have heart problems. Those arguing in favor of mandates because they keep the military operational must acknowledge that coronavirus vaccine side effects can sideline service members too. Uh-oh, but you're not allowed to make that kind of logical point. They don't like logic, right? Like, even within their narrative, you, you have, they don't want to admit that these things have side effects, even though one of their people is now telling them that. So now she's a bad guy. Simple as that. That's why she says at this point in the pandemic, the coronavirus vaccination should not be a one size fits all recommendation. Well, what do you know? The same thing, like the argument that we that she's pushed in that everybody, no matter what, anywhere has to get it or we should remove their freedoms now suddenly goes away. There are, she says, those such as the elderly who are clearly better protection for regular boot. No, see my point. This is part of the problem. We need to acknowledge that these things are bad. I mean, what she just said up there about the, how do you then argue this is good for anybody? It's wildly, I mean, you're not even taking in the risk, which we'll get into next. These are just the fact that these things are not working and people that are taking them are getting sick more. They have a higher risk of getting sick, a higher risk of going to the hospital. Why would you pretend that elderly people would better be protected from that? I mean, I just read to you what she said. Here it is. Elderly are clearly better protected with regular boosters. So she's talking about the bivalent for crying out loud. Then she says young, generally healthy people who have never been infected with COVID would probably benefit from the first two shots. What? My God, she's talking about people that are in a position where they are the, that's point zero zero zero. Oh, it's four, did I, how many did I say right there? Point zero 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 three, four zeros. Point zero 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 three. <laughs> that's weird. That's for people in this age group. 
That's the risk of dying. I mean, it's been that way the entire time. There, the number of kids supposedly died from COVID is so wildly unverified. And even that is, I think they still have it at like 600. It's ridiculous. These people are not at risk. And you're going to give them something that even based on these right up here, even if it's one 39 cases in a million of myocarditis, that's still too much risk for people that have basically no risk from COVID. And here she is. Like she can outline it for you and then argue anyway. Get it. <laughs> this is the point. This is dripped forward information. She's still part of the agenda, in my opinion. Then it says, for this group, I could understand a requirement. Oh, good. So now you're going to, at the end of the article, justify, at least on the side of requiring elderly and young people, or maybe just young people to get the shots. But for those with documented prior infection, I'm not convinced the mandates make them or the others around them any safer. Now, there's a very important things to see here. Now, even though this feels like a win, what does she end up basically saying? Well, as long as you prove to us that you're not sick, it's the same game, guys. All that happens next time is some kind of ramped up fear mongering about something new, and it all flips right back into the same situation. As long as they keep you in the biosecurity state, as long as you have to be documented, I'm here's my here's my my virus documentation. Don't I'm good. Let me see your papers. That's how this is. We are in a biosecurity state, and that's what they're building right there. Is you need to be documented, prove that you're not sick. It's like every dystopian movie ever on steroids. That's where this seems to be going. But then she says she's not convinced that the mandates make them any safer or the others around them. Why? Because they don't stop transmission. In fact, they make them worse. But let's still pretend we need more of them, though. Now, she's being attacked for this, even though this is like <laughs> I'm on this side going, you're being you're lying and dripping this out. The other side's going, la, la, la. I don't want to hear it because I shouldn't. I don't want to admit this to myself. But this is what they're forced to do. The, the off, I wasn't going to talk about it today, but the off Guardian did a great article about Tucker's supposed JFK release, right? Which is interesting. I think it's right here. Yeah, I'll, I'll include it. I'm not going to go into it, but I'll include it here for you to look at. Tucker Carlson and the JFK allegations. And it just goes into the point about how this is about, this is a, a limited hangout, right? That ultimately what he talks about is how the CIA was involved as opposed to responsible. And there's a lot of other great points in there about how this is how this works. And the overarching point here, I'll just, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll just read this to you. It's right here. It's an important quote where they talk about why this happens. Oh, did I skip it? If I can't find it, I'll just I'll just generalize what it says. I, I don't think it was this one. Okay, it is this one. Okay. So this is uh, former CIA agent Victor Marchetti, and it says spy jargon for a favorite and frequently used gimmick of the clandestine professionals uh, when their veil of secrecy is shredded. Like things like we all just seem to all know, like JFK. And they can no longer rely on a phony cover story to misinform the public, like the injections being safe and effective. They resort to admitting, sometimes even volunteering, some of the truth, some of it, while still managing to withhold the key and damaging facts in the case. Sound familiar? The public, however, is usually so intrigued by the new information that it never thinks to pursue the matter further. Some people, not us, of course. But see the point? And so that's what I believe this is. That's what I believe this this article is, and what and that's a more to be more to the point. That's what I think this is, right here. This is Manning Shad with his own daughter. That th this clip and this whole dynamic is a way to get this to go. I think they've lost control of this, and what we're seeing is them trying to bear to keep you hooked to their disclosure and not realizing we're light years past that right now. Now let's get into the more important stuff today. 
Booster caused IgG4 immune tolerance explains excess mortality and chronic COVID. It's a great article. And rather, here's the study itself. Uh, Rintra. I'll read this first. I'll finish on that article over there. It's entitled The Train Wreck of All Train Wrecks. Billions of people stuck with a broken immune response. It says, and this is from his article, he explains, after mRNA vaccination, the immune response against spike, spike protein is shifting to IgG4. Now, I believe these are immunoglobulin. We're talking about antibodies, essentially, which is how your body responds after repeat exposure to stuff it needs to tolerate, like bee venom, pollen, or peanut proteins. The point being that your body produces these for things like, you know, like, like you know, the classic concept of taking little bits of poison long enough until you're immune to it. I don't even know if that's a real thing. I've seen on movies and stuff, but that's the idea that your that your body begins to produce IgG4 so your body becomes tolerant to it and you no longer have reactions to it, right? And that's a good thing for things like this. But as they point out, it's not a good thing for things that replicate, for things that are dangerous when your body becomes suddenly okay with it. And you'll see why. Not okay necessarily, but more so about allowing it to exist, which only allows more and more to happen. Let, let the experts explain. First of all, I, that's why I wanted to p- point this out. Igor Ch- uh, Chudov, which I, I love his substack. By the way, check out the T-Lab substack. Uh, T-Lab, uh, here, I'll just include it. Scott's still doing some great work over there. Uh, he great, he, but my point was, where was it? Oh, see, I just got distracted when I did that. I don't think it was very important. In any case, the point was I like his substack, and I like that. Uh, oh, that, that's what it was that I like that he goes into what this is. Like he explains, you know, the, the backgrounds because it doesn't say it on the other article. What is IgG4? It says our immune systems are complicated. We do we do need to fight dangerous replicating pathogens such as viruses or bacteria, right? So it says both for those that want to argue that viruses don't exist. Fair argument to have. The point is that let's, then let's just focus on bacteria. The point is your body needs to fight off dangerous replicating pathogens. At the same time, we also face harmless inert substances like tree pollen that sometimes cause inflammatory reactions like allergies. To deal with these harmless substances, our our immune system has a particular class of antibodies called IgG4 that do the opposite of what we are used to hearing. They bind to allergens and tell our immune cells to ignore them rather than cause inflammation. Now, he says mRNA shots work like allergen shots. That's not a good thing. I had many pollen allergies, he, the writer says. Every spring was unpleasant. He, dec- he decided to go and get to an allergist and take allergy shots, which amount to repeatedly injecting allergens into me, which sounds like a bad idea to me. As a result of these repeated antigen shots, my immune system developed non-inflammatory IgG4 antibodies, which mark pollen as a harmless substance to the rest of my immune system and prevent allergic inflammation and nasty symptoms. That's just pretty clear how that works, right? There is something important, though, as I said before, pollen does not replicate. Let me close this real quick. There we go. It is a good idea, he says, not to have inflammation in response to pollen. It is a bad idea, however, to train our immune system to ignore replicating pathogens like SARS-CoV-2. How would immune tolerance, which you see, that's, you see there's a current study talking about this. How would immune tolerance induced by repeat antigen shots, such as mRNA injections, look like when the person is infected with SARS-CoV-2, right? So what happens when this has been done and your body has already gotten to this point and then 
you come in contact with it. Well, we've already talked about interesting versions of things that are similar, like an antibody-dependent enhancement situation where you take the injection and then you come into contact with the wild version and you have a far worse experience, far worse than you ever would have, and potentially deadly, in fact. That's something they've seen historically with mRNA injections, specifically COVID injections. But this is a little different in a very interesting way. It says it would look like a mild infection in this case without a serious fever that would last much longer than necessary and cause organ damage. Well, what are we seeing everywhere right now? All these people yelling, oh, my, my symptoms were mild and it would have been worse if I didn't have the injection. And then having a suddenly died situation where they have a heart attack later and nobody connects it. Now, is that literally everybody? No, of course not. I would never say that because I couldn't prove it. But we do know that this is happening in some people and it has been proven in some people. But we, we know for sure that the, the, the mechanism here is real. So when we do see a lot of people having the situation and a lot of unexplained, baffling, undefined deaths, SIDS and SADS and all these different things that nobody wants to connect and these people are having this kind of never-ending long COVID, they call it, it's interesting to think about. The sufferer may say for the first week that they're thankful for vaccines and boosters making their symptoms mild. Then they start wondering why the infection's not going away. But I remember what Dr. Peter McCullough and plenty of others have made clear, that the way that these things work, the way that these things weren't held properly in a lot of locations, caused the lipid nanoparticles to, to, to break down, which caused, caused the mRNA instructions to not be viable. And then so ultimately you didn't get an injection that caused the mRNA to cause your body to, to train it to make spike protein. So long story short, you got lucky. It didn't hurt you like the other ones did that were, quote, working the way they were supposed to. So the point is that not everybody falls into this category because of that. That, that's one of the things they argue. Why didn't I get sick? Well, I don't really know. But there's one example of why that may be the case. But it says such tolerance may explain why boosted people are the slowest to clear COVID. Now, I didn't get into this today, but here's a, here's a study talking about exactly that. And we already know the mechanisms for this. Like the bottom line is this it compounds. It gets worse and worse. And your body, your immune system gets worse and worse and worse. The more boosters, the more shots, the longer it takes. And it's then, then, and that's just in general to be, I argue, just in general health. But in this case, he's talking about it kind of generally creating the problem that it leads to organ failure and plenty of others. But it says, so IgG4 antibodies have the opposite effect to all other types of antibodies and make our immune system ignore the particular antigen they are trained to detect. He says, you do not want to ignore a replicating virus. So the IgG4 antibody class would be inappropriate for viruses, right? So that's not what these injections should be doing, right? Pollen, however, is a perfect case for IgG4 to prevent immune reaction and inflammation. Switching to IgG4 binding against a viral agent is like opening your house doors wide for robbers and ignoring them as they ruffle through your drawers. Of course, the robbery will be mild, but the thieves will take away your stuff and they will come back again. But the point is the switching to IgG4 binding. That's what that's, I think, even almost exactly the title that's going around in the study right now. Not really highlighting why this is so concerning. Now, in the study, Rintra explains the findings. It says the scientists followed several subjects who underwent repeated mRNA vaccinations and subsequent infections and tracked the composition of their antibodies. This is in the study. It says you already know the story. Now, I'll go back. You, you can read this for yourself. He does... Have, there's two articles he references. We can go back and look at his work. Obviously, this is the way this is written. It's in more of an in-the-know audience. 
right? People that are more aware of his previous work and the scientific discussions and so on. That's why I think this is an easier one to digest, essentially. Uh, and he points out, you already know the story that he's talked about before. After the second shot, IgG4 begins to show up. So this is happening. And all the science is here. We'll go into more of it in a second. All the links, by the way, are in this just in and of itself. So we see this happening. So already you know that's not okay. That's not a good thing. This gets worse with the breakthrough infections. Then it gets worse again with the third shot. Now we have updated findings from breakthrough infections after a third shot. And this will shock you. But it gets worse again. Now, relative proportion of IgG subclasses among spike and non-spike. And it gets into you know the breakdown of the data, the donor, the time points, and so on. Now it says, on average, the four who had a breakthrough infection after their booster are now at 42.45% IgG4. Think about that. That's crazy. So the people who had a breakthrough infection are at 42% of the antibodies that we don't, the bad part of what we're talking about, that are essentially training your body to ignore this or allow it to be, what's the right way to frame it? Like, so if we're talking about taking the, the tree pollen and this thing engages with it, so it becomes essentially benign and your body doesn't react to it, well, it's doing the same thing with the spike with the with the spike protein, or specifically SARS-CoV-2. The co- the cohort as a whole is at nineteen point two seven percent, and that's up from just 004 percent. So baseline being 004 percent IgG four in your body. People with a breakthrough jumps all the way up to forty two point four five percent. That's crazy. All said and done, the whole group up to nineteen point two seven. So the ones who haven't had a breakthrough infection yet will end up in a similar position, a response that is entirely IgG4 dominated. IgG4 antibodies, it isn't really meant for neutralization. Out of the IgGs, the IgG3 is the excellent virus neutralizer. That's what you're supposed to be making. What IgG3 does in the case of SARS-CoV-2 is that they have their tails bind together. This means that out of, the, out of all the four subclasses, IgG3 is showing 50-fold stronger neutralization than other three subclasses against SARS-CoV-2. Look at what happens to the IgG3 after three shots. Okay, so first of all, before we get to the graph, we know IgG4 is not what you want to be producing. That's creating the problem. IgG3 is what you should be producing to reduce this problem, to neutralize the problem. So look at what's happening to the IgG3 after Third, fourth shots. It's nothing. It's gone. Your body, no. Oh, dang it. Okay, good. I thought I lost it. Your body doesn't make them. And the IgG4, after the fourth shot, skyrockets. See where this is going? This is alarming, guys. I hope you're understanding this because this is alarming. Now it says there is some IgG3 left in some people after the second shot. But by the time they get the third shot right here, they're all universally down to flat zero. So no neutralization at all, in fact. That's interesting. <clears throat> so it says, so Rintra explains that the immunology study, immunology study shows depletion of all important virus-fighting IgG3 antibodies and their replacement class switch, uh, which useless IgG4 antibodies with, excuse me, with useless IgG4 antibodies. Those turn COVID infection to be needlessly mild, but fail to clear the virus promptly. 
you even wonder why they stopped talking about transmission or infection and just went to reducing mild to moderate symptoms. That's why. Because they, they clearly that's what they they couldn't do anything else. All they do is and, and even this understand is not always the case. That's why I say that, because people out there get these and have specifically the shot. And die within 15 minutes. We've already seen cases of that. They die where they got it. Dr. Cole's talked about this. But then we also have people that, you know, get this essentially, whatever we're talking about. And whether or not that ultimately keeps something mild or it just creates the very thing that you call COVID, I think that's up for debate. Either way, it says we have fevers for a reason. Interesting point on that, by the way. It's funny that like somebody made a joke about this, that your body creates the fever to fight these things off. And then we take things that take that fever down. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do, does it? <clears throat> but there's a bunch more in here. He goes into immune tolerance and other great information. I'm going to shift over to this to finish. See all the information here. And this is a graph that we've already seen, or at least a similar graph, right? The point being that the more boosters you get, the more chance you got to get sick from COVID. The exact opposite of what it should be. As it says here, it probably has something to do with us ridding our bodies of the most incompetent IgG antibody against the virus, IgG3, replacing it with one that we use to tolerate stuff like pollen, peanuts, or bee venom. This has never happened before. There are now the known unknowns, like whether the body ends up tolerating persisting infections due to this completely IgG4-dominated response, along with the no unknown unknowns, questions we should be asking ourselves that most people haven't even realized we need to be asking ourselves. Now it says, here's the big question I run into. So your experiment failed. You created an IgG4 dominant antibody response in soon to be billions of people. The IgG4 antibody response is homogeneous. It's the same epitopes that everyone is learning now to tolerate. He says, are you ready for this one? What does it mean for other viruses? That's the big painful question. So we know this is causing problems in their bodies. We're causing this to seemingly never end. It's causing more things to spread. It, it, in, in this case, it seems to be creating any uh, um, var variants as well. And then, and then it's leading to organ failure and these problems in their bodies. So not only does it exacerbate the problem they say they're having and it keeps spreading and keeps happening, but then it also hurts them too. So in no way is this good for anybody anywhere. But then what does it do for other things, right? So what happens when you come into contact with other respiratory viruses? Now, this is where it gets really nefarious to me. This could just be bumbling, clumsy malfeasance. Or, and this gets really dark when you think about it like this, this could be the point. Creating a situation where, you know, people die off, whether they got it or not. And then you have a situation where you're creating exponentially increased illness or rather ongoing problems to just other regular things like flu, RSV, strep now, i don't know if that's what's happening or not i actually strongly believe by a lot of these are being caused by the injections literally due to side effects but other just being reframed as those when they're actually vaccine side effects themselves or you know however you want to look at it but on top of that this is interesting because this seems like another factor it says if you told me everyone has a different immune response to different regions of spike but everyone now <clears throat> excuse me deploys igg4 antibodies to those regions that would be bad enough for our relationship to SARS-CoV-2. But bear with me as I pull up this old chart again, which you could see here, take a picture if you want. The point is right here specifically, non-vaccinated, vaccinated, and the difference between the responses. And as he says, you see the unvaccinated immune response in A at the bottom. You see that it's pretty different for everyone right here. It's just, it's different pretty much across the board. But then he says, you see the immune response of the vaccine at the top. 
you see it's rather similar in everyone with distinct regions that receive the strongest response, the top. For some of those regions, the virus doesn't mind our antibody response. So those regions tend to stay the same. In other regions, the antibody response is interfering. So the virus mutates to change those regions. What I was saying, this means that after a while, the IgG response is recalled for a shrinking subset of these regions. So you get a strong IgG4 response for a handful of epitopes. But those epitopes are the same for basically everybody. What he's trying to say is that there are now certain non-self amino acid chains that billions of human beings around the world, because of these injections, are suddenly learning to tolerate. RNA respiratory viruses all work with pretty similar building blocks. Some of these amino acid chains that are now tolerant in the case of SARS-CoV-2 are chains that also show up in other respiratory viruses. I'm sure you see where this is going. And there will be respiratory there and there will be respiratory viruses that don't have those chains yet but can mutate themselves to incorporate them in positions where they now currently have to deal with potent ig3 antibodies in other words a homogeneous population-wide shift towards igg4 for certain antibodies can end up impacting our relationship to respiratory viruses other than sars-cov-2 you could expect for example that vaccinated people may become asymptomatic spreaders of other respiratory viruses like, I don't know, RSV. That's what he says. Think about that. We see evidence of cross-reactive antibodies between SARS-CoV-2 and the human coronaviruses. <clears throat> Do you want those to switch from IG3, IG3 to IG4? Probably not. The point is, we're see you can see how, in a very, very ridiculous way, you can almost see how the very people who are taking the injections and the guys that are doing so to keep their family safe are then the ones in turn infecting them with things like RSV. Think about how ridiculous and sad that is. It says the massive surge in RSV that Western nations are seeing is a consequence of vaccinated adults now beginning to tolerate RSV. He's not saying that's his opinion, but that's based on the science and he's an expert. This is, this is him saying he thinks that for sure. The massive surge Oh, I, I take that back, actually. I forgot. That it says it seems plausible. Hypothesis. They're saying the massive surge in RSV that Western nations are seeing is a consequence of vaccine adults now beginning to tolerate RSV, thus leading to a jump in infections in children. Think about how ridiculous that is. Good luck trying to convince these, these Karen moms out there that they're the ones getting their children sick because of the injections. Good luck with that. Now, it says children now getting these infections from vaccinated adults rather than from other children the infection dose they receive will be tend to be higher. So it's not only just that they're getting them sick, but they're getting sick worse than they would have otherwise. Horrifying. <clears throat> now, I think that was it in the study. Yeah. Bottom line, guys, I mean, this just on top of everything else, it just blows this out of the water. It's everywhere. Here's another one. I saw this right before we went live, thanks to our Discord. New study found a nine times increased rate of myocarditis in males after mRNA booster. Three or more COVID-19 vaccine doses associated with a six-fold increased risk of infection, said Cleveland Clinic. I mean, how are they even denying this anymore? Very important data appeared over the past days that was suppressed by the media. Shocking. Specifically, Two new shocking studies were released that associated mRNA COVID-19 vaccination with higher than previously estimated rates of myocarditis and higher than previously reported risk of infection. Start here. A new Nordic study found that males aged 12 to, 29, to 39 who took <clears throat> a Moderna COVID-19 booster compared to a second dose experienced a ninefold increase in the risk of myocarditis. 
I mean, that is earth shattering. That I mean, that kind of number should shut everything down immediately, even just the possibility. Nine times increase. If we're talking one in 4,500, imagine a nine times increase. They're hurting people, guys, and we need to see this. And this is what is beginning to drip out. And we can't wait for Tucker to say it six months from now. It's got to be now. It should be noted, the previously mentioned figure was based on populations from Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Sweden who have recently stopped recommending mRNA vaccines for males under 30. You know, meanwhile, our government's still screaming you got to give it to your six-month-old or your infant. Next, a very prestigious medical institution named the Cleveland Clinic published new data that revealed every COVID-19 uh, every COVID-19 vaccine dose increased the risk of infection six times, much higher than previously documented. You know all of this, though, because everything's been showing you this, guys. All of the data, the one that I think Ezra Lant shared a long time ago, that preprint study that said, here, I mean, if I mentioned it, might as well grab it. It's, it's this easy, and they don't pretend like none of this is there. Here's just his tweet. It's the easiest way for me to pull it up. Oh, that's not the one. Funny, it's the same uh, holy thing. There it is. Just literally search for the word holy, because holy moly, and it comes up. Here's the study. And the point is the same. All this, I mean, this study was when? This study was from December 2021, guys, a year ago. And this is saying the same thing, that you had, and it's even talking about Omicron. 76% negative efficacy. That is what they're pretending they're piecing together now. The reality that this increases your risk of infection. Not only this, but remember, in their own studies, it shows you that you increase your risk by 50% in the first seven days of just any infection. And they guess they rationalize that because they claim it becomes effective afterward. But we know that's not true. At best, after one day, it's 55% relative risk. 30 days, 16%. It's meaningless, guys. These things don't work. And then they also hurt you. And both of these are saying the same thing. Here's, here's one. December 18th, booster vaccination with SARS-CoV-2 and myocarditis. Very clearly, our results suggest that a booster dose is associated with increased myocarditis risk in male adolescents and young male adults. And that's the number we just cited. It's a gigantic risk increase. I think, what do you say? I, I just off the top of my head, it was, yeah, nine-time increase. Here's the other one. Oh, actually, no, I didn't. That, the point in this one was the same idea. Uh, where was anyway? That, the point was in general that we all of this stuff we've already talked about, guys. Increased your risk of infection verifiably. Numerous studies, peer reviewed and otherwise. Myocarditis. We've known this from the beginning. It's only just now dripping out even further and further. It's getting worse and worse. And this is why people like Peter McCullough, Doctor Doctor Peter McCullough, Doctor As, uh, Asim Maholtra, Doctor Bakti. All, they're, they're saying nobody should be taking these things anywhere at any point for any reason. They should be pulled and investigated. That's how serious this is. And the science, the body of scientific evidence, very clearly backs that up. You can go through and see all these for yourself. Again, these are the things we've talked about already. Now, here is another one, just to add to all of this. The pharmaceutical industry is dangerous to health. Further proof with COVID-19. October 21st, 2022. I guess they missed this one. National Library of Medicine, NIH, PubMed, okay. It says, by supporting and selecting only the one side of science information while suppressing alternative viewpoints and with obvious conf conflicts of interest revealed by the study, governments and the media constantly disinform the public. 
Consequently, the unscientifically validated vaccination laws originating from industry-controlled medical science led to the adoption of social measures for the supposed protection of the public, but which became serious threats to the health and freedom of the population. Read through this for yourself, guys. It's very well done. Unbelievable. Now, I've shown you this one many times. It's important. The one that says net harm, right? To prevent one COVID hospitalization over an entire six-month period, they estimate that 31,000 to 42, almost 43,000 young adults have to get three shots. And don't forget what we just showed you, each one of those shots is doing, right? Ridiculous. And that's just to stop maybe one hospitalization. Booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented. Not only do you have to inject all these people three times, but they just to prevent one, they anticipate 18.5 serious adverse events, including 1.5 to 4.6 booster-associated myopericarditis cases. 18 possible deaths for one stop, maybe hospitalization. My point in showing you again today was to go even further back, right? This one, I've, I've realized where that was now in these. This one was posted on, uh, ex, uh, published on December 5th, beginning of this month. But guess what? It wasn't the first time it came out. They're refusing to, quote, trust the science. In fact, they're regularly ignoring the science for years. This is BMJ also. Here's when this came out. May 26th, right? Same thing. Back then, the unintended consequences of COVID-19 vaccine policy. Why mandates, passports, and restrictions may cause more harm than good. Now, this is more broadly about the idea of the societal harms. My point is they were already chipping away at why these things weren't the right thing to do. They just got even more certain about it and Barry came out really clear about it. The point is, a different scientists, my point is the British Medical Journal. Here we outline a comprehensive set of hypotheses for why these policies may ultimately be counterproductive and harmful. We argue that current mandatory vaccines, the current mandatory vaccine policies are scientifically questionable and are likely to cause more societal harm than good. We argue that COVID-19 current COVID-19 vaccine policies should be reevaluated in the light of negative consequences that we outline. Even more clear here. Here's another one. Experts warn of mRNA jab linked to acute heart issues December 20th. This is coming over like a waterfall, guys. It's go- everywhere. Now let's talk about some of the experts speaking out. On I mean, if you the sci- just just the science we showed today. This is just I mean, you could there's been new studies for 3 years now. And we, and I occasionally will repoint to them like this, like I did in this. You know, I'll say, well, here's the one we mentioned before, but I rarely go into them like I do. I reference them and go to the next stuff. And every show, it seems we've got a new major study, new experts, new people. I don't see the same thing in reverse. It's just unreal how clear this is. And here's some of the experts speaking out. As Dr. Peter McCullough points out, he's interviewed and conversed with Dr. Moon. She's very credible. She's the one I recently showed, showing that the, the blank insert very credible academic well-trained and an expert pediatrician her u.s senate testimony was was, uh, dispassionate factual and americans were impressed with her message so here's what it says i'll play for you again more and more people that were moments ago saying that we were all bad or should have gotten this trust the science are now going i was wrong these are dangerous i now see it now ask yourself again how it's possible that these experts didn't know it and plenty of others did. I mean, even just even just go back six months. How is it possible that they didn't see it until now when people like Dr. Peter McCullough has been screaming about it? Or anybody else? Because that's how the system is done or is is it's controlled. 
They don't realize they're wrong because they're being gaslit and led by authority. That is, that's why we have to look at this in its full picture going forward. That There are plenty of experts that don't know still that they're lying to you or that they're wrong. Here's what she says. Encourage parents to vaccinate. There was a time where I actually really honestly thought about not accepting patients into my practice who did not vaccinate at all. Typically, when you open a box of the vaccine product, there's a vial in it and there's a box and it has a package insert. And this is an example of one that um, it's sealed. And, you know, honestly, for the most part, we don't always read it because we've already looked at it. And, and so it goes in the box with the stays in the box. Um, that, so when I, we open this package insert, a typical package insert looks like this. So it has a great deal of information on it in terms of adverse reactions. Um, Whenever something brand new rolls out, we always should be questioning. So a few months ago, I, I looked at the package insert. I pulled it from the box of mRNA product, and I pulled this out. And this is what it looks like. So I'd like to show this to you. You guys remember this. We had that one nurse that made a video right from her own pharmacist booth and showed it to everybody. And remember what happened? Well, half the audience said, that's not true. That can't be true. She must have made it up. We don't know for sure. And they just cast it aside. And some of us said, absolute proof. And then many of us in the middle were like, well, that's interesting. That seems like the case. Let's look into it. And sure enough, it was the truth. Not because she showed you, not because she said so, but because it actually was. Because if you did your due diligence, you found out that was the case. And so it's interesting that all the way to now, still people don't know this. Now, it just shows you the controlled flow of information because it's been there. It's been publicly established. People have written articles about it, but yet they don't absorb it until Tucker says so or somebody like that said. I'm not trying to just use Tucker as an example, but it's the point is that people have been trained to only allow things to enter their consciousness when it goes through certain mediums. And I think that's an alarming reality. And so this is the point this, that you should have known this. Or you guys all did. But with the transmission point, with the pandemic of the, uh, the uninjected, or excuse me, the pandemic of the injected, it, it, we've known this for years. It's amazing that it hasn't reached other people or, you know, the masses. They just, I just really need to see that, that controlled flow. There's a, a dam in the way. How we break that is the question. It is, sorry about that. It's, um... It's blank. Looking at safety signals from VARES and from some of our other safety uh, platforms that are in place to, to, to see what's happening with this, this product. And what I was seeing was really concerning. Uh, and, I, and I very much began to question it. I have a government that's telling me that I have to stay safe and effective. And if I don't, my license is at threat. Oh, look at that. That's an important point. Why? Because the FDA literally just changed their own... Uh, guidance on this but in the in the process of doing so revealed that they're not legally allowed to do that they're they can't be promoting this in in any kind of commercial whether it's on documentation or advertising or anything like that they are clearly driving that point that's illegal because they don't know that then that's the whole point they don't want you to realize if you're just waking up to this that emergency use authorization by default by definition means they don't know that that all they know is that they believe the safety outweighs the perceived risks. They don't know either side of it, by definition, with emergency use authorization. I argue they do know, and that's why they refuse to move forward because they can keep themselves in this weird limbo position where they have immunity from, from prosecution, and they can play this weird, fast, and loose game with the law. 
The moment it becomes, a, they actually start giving the approved version of the world, everything changes unless, I mean, we're, I mean, there's a whole discussion to get into about the approval for the childhood schedule and how they already have indemnity in general. But I argue if you can prove there's fraud, fraud here, fraudulent activity from the beginning of all of it, that that might not be sound anymore. Either way, somebody's asking the chat, by the way, are they still blank? I, last time I've seen them, yes. And this wasn't that old. But up to the moment, who ultimately knows? But I believe we're still in the same position. They're still trying to hide this stuff. Um, how am I to give informed consent to patients? We're seeing an uptick in myocarditis. We're seeing an uptick in adverse reactions. We have trusted these regulatory agencies. I have for See? my entire career. Told you. Up until now. Something is extremely wrong. Why would you do that? I mean, it's not, not meant to be an insult, but really think of why would you just trust them? What, what are they, some kind of like divine authority? They're just people. They're just people. Can people not be? I mean, it's amazing to me that we were ever in a position where we thought, I mean, the whole thing too is they don't tell you that. They've never told you that. The whole time they always pretended like there's a process and they're all critically analyzing everything. That's never been how this has been working. They have been handed down information from the authorities and then they dole that out. Some, not everybody, there are still always people like me out there that no matter what you end up in, you're a very critical person and you just don't like authority and you push back on things. We don't tend to be the ones that fall into the higher positions because they don't allow that. I mean, like in a political sense. If someone like me tried to push their way into Congress, I guarantee it would never be allowed because I just don't let people like that. It just, it's, a, it's a controlled flow, my opinion. But either way, this, this is so important because it shows you that people have been in a position where they're just treading water, whether it be a doctor or the person watching the show. I, I, we need to, again, break whatever that is. Because that's all it is. It's, it's some kind of barrier between them accepting the truth. Accepting that you have, like that they just don't want to hear it until somebody that they're allowed to listen to puts it in front of them. That's why I'm so I'm so grateful for the doctors out there that are, even though even willing to stand up and be like, yeah, you know what? I missed it. I'm wrong. And I'm also very concerned about whether those people are not actually honest and are doing so just to get inside with the with the group and and, you know, drive it into the ground, which always happens as well. Oh, that's right. I'm done with the video. So next point. Another another clip from Dr. Peter McCullough, which, again, if you haven't seen our recent interview, I really do think this was a good interview. It was very it was it was short. It was only 30 minutes and and we got into some really great stuff and it was really, really sorry. Here we go. I just want to grab this so you guys can see it. If you haven't already, I recommend it because we get into some important stuff and he talks specifically about the bribery aspect and about whether he feels these people were bribed prior, like through COVID programs to turn a blind eye to things that they knew was going, were going to happen. That's oh, weird. Next clip, and I'll grab that while it's coming up. Vigilant Fox points out, many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, and potentially millions of people have lost their lives with the vaccine. Dr. Peter McCullough, this will go down as the biggest biological pharmaceutical safety disaster in the history of mankind by a mile. So you don't make statements like that, guys. As somebody in his position with the kind of credentials he has, unless you feel you could back it up. Now, I mean, of course, anybody could, and they could be lying. My point is that he has stood by this and has walk the science line the entire time you can prove this stuff the science this the peer-reviewed science i just showed you backs that up which you should go through and look for look it for yourself and then walk away thinking that there could be I mean, the point is that there's always more to the story 
But the obvious reality is that these things are dangerous and they are blinding themselves to that reality. And this is why I titled it the way I did today. It's not a partial story. These are dangerous for everybody across the board. And I'm sure we're going to get attacked for that. We may even get more censorship. Who knows? But listen to what he has to say. This is an expert who has continually been proven right over and over through this process, like a lot of us. A group based out of the UK, but represents 70 grassroots organizations all over the world. Dr. Mahotra is one of the leaders of the World Council for Health. Check out their Twitter account. It's worth following. This group, the World Council for Health, on June 11th, 2022, issued a pharmacovigilance report. They analyzed all the vaccines, 39 safety systems, four big ones in the world, and they're all consistent. There is an alarming signal of excess death after taking the vaccine, an alarming signal. Looking backwards, these vaccines should have come off the market in early January of 2021 for excess mortality. Wow. People dying early after the vaccines, now dying late after the vaccines. And this report is comprehensive. It's about 20 pages long. And I, I encourage anybody, if they're saying, listen, sh show me some evidence that the vaccines are harmful. You know, don't do it on your own. Just go to the World Council for Health. This is a wonderful synthesis because it's all over the world. And I can tell you, in total, many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, and potentially millions of people have lost their lives with the vaccine. This will go down as the biggest biological, pharmaceutical safety disaster in the history of mankind by a mile. This will go down worse than most wars in terms of mortality. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, it's a gigantic statement. And here's the interview we just did. The COVID vaccine narrative has collapsed, yet the push continues. Very important. I recommend you check this out. Now, here is... Dr. Amitav Ban Banerjee, epidemiologist, who says higher mortality among the, the young after vaccine rollout and side effects like myocarditis call for halt and thorough investigation before proceeding further with the vaccination. This opinion is co-authored with Professor Raman of IIT Bombay. This is a worldwide pushback from high-level experts. I really just don't understand how anybody can be so obtuse to not see that at the very least you may have gotten it wrong or maybe partially incorrect or maybe there's more to the story. You don't have to immediately think you're that you don't have to come along to say vaccines are this is bad for everybody. But at the very least, can't I mean, there has to be some level of people out there that go, OK, wait a minute. This, there, can't, there just can't be this many experts that are coming out from around the world and saying these things are unsafe. If they're, if, I mean, they can't, are they all conspiracy theorists? Are they all anti-science while they're producing scientific research? Are they all manipulated by alt-right conspiracy theorists? I mean, come on. I mean, it just, it's so obvious. And I do believe that most people see this now. What I'm speaking to when I say that is the, the minority of two-party illusionists out there that are just holding in, digging their feet in because they're afraid to address the choices they made. I get it. Read this for yourself, guys. COVID-19, what explains the sudden deaths? It's, it's pretty obvious that people see this right now. Here, and this was po uh, posted underneath this one we played before, is Dr. Peter Doshi, senior editor of the British Medical Journal, who we've referenced before, who had the, the courage enough to give uh, Brooke Jackson a platform, right? When that was the first article that came out, our interview with Brooke Jackson being the first time she went public with it on, on, a on the video, and I recommend you check that out as well. But this is a great clip 
of Peter Doshi standing up from the British Medical Journal being one of the highest regarded journals of scientific publications telling you he wants to know why we haven't already stopped the shots. Not some, not for under 60, but for everybody across the board, stopped the shots because they're dangerous. What we found is that both the Pfizer and the Moderna trials are both showing a clear signal of increased risk of serious adverse events among the vaccinated. Now, serious adverse events are events that the companies themselves have classified as being of the most concerning quality. Namely, it's usually something that lands you in the hospital, and that's why it's classified as a serious adverse event. And the trial data are indicating that we're seeing about um, an elevated risk of these serious adverse events of around one in 800 people vaccinated. So one additional serious adverse event for every 800 people vaccinated. My God, think about that. You're, and what, he's pointing at their own documentation. How is it possible that the senior editor of the British Medical Journal can look at their documentation and go, yeah, that's clear. Look at that. Look at how dangerous that is. And yet other experts, Mr. Peter Hotez, can still scream at you and say you're a maniac and killing people by not forcing this on your daughter or whoever we're talking about, or taking it for yourself, or stopping it so you're going to kill grandma. All these are ridiculous arguments that are still coming out from these maniacs out there. How, I mean, who, if you want, you go take, just take a, a, a moment and compare any one of these people to somebody like Peter Hotez, or any one of these others that are just aggressively walking the line. And you'll see very quickly the differences between them. I don't even need to go into it. Just take the time and do it. You'll very quickly see objectivity versus a choice to walk a line. In, in, I mean, what do you, how do you just explain all the science we just showed you? Is he ignoring that? Does he pretend it's all fake news? I mean, what's the argument? Now, that is much, much more common than what you see for other vaccines, where the reported rates are in the range of one or two per million vaccinees. So one out of 800 compared to one out of a million, just so you can see how much more dangerous these are than the average. In these trials, we're seeing one in every 800, all right? So, uh, and this is a rate that in, in past years has had vaccines taken off the market, just to put that in some perspective. Like in 1976, we had Guillain-Barre syndrome after like influenza flu. vaccines that were then, you know, withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing uh, in terms of background to understand is that we're talking about uh, randomized trials here, right? There's a lot of studies out there. But we're talking about randomized trials, which are widely considered the highest quality evidence. And we're talking about the trials that were submitted by Pfizer and Moderna that supported the regulator's authorization. So the results are really raising right concerns, particularly about the safety of the mRNA vaccines in low risk groups. And that's why it's really important that we have an independent replication of these data right. using the individual participant data from the trials. When you're entrusted for protecting the public's health, and you as a regulator, you need to be in receipt of all the data. Not summaries of the data, but all the data. Ah, think Twitter files, by the way. It's exactly the same point. Not some of the data, all of it. So you can come to your own conclusion. Don't know why that wouldn't apply anywhere else. It's just logic, guys. Not screenshots, right? Not what... Hotez says, or what CDC tells you, but the actual source material, the actual data that you can check and recon that that's the point. The most granular detailed data should be all in your possession, and you should be going over that in as much with as much scrutiny as you possibly can. That's a responsibility, I think, that the regulator has. Yep, completely agree.
I want to include these. I'll just do this link in general because there's I have, uh, I believe, three. I thought it was three. Maybe only two. That's not right. I believe I, th- I thought I it three times. Anyway, this interviews with Brooke Jackson. You can check out for yourself because it's important to hear that information as well. Now, here's an interesting one. Coronavirus plushie put this out. This is a basically a montage of I, I, I you know, I've been pointing to Dr. Uh, uh, Bhakti for a long time about this, pointing out that he was like outspoken, as you'll see in 2020. Long before this, saying these are now ask yourself how he knew that, right? How did he know when nothing had been given? It's December 2020, right? These things were barely being made still. So think about how a doctor would know. I shouldn't say barely being made, but hadn't been given. How a doctor would know based on the research that these things were dangerous because he looked at it. He read the research and he wasn't biased. And what he says will blow your mind compared to where we are now. I mean, this guy called it. He knew everything. Venous thrombosis, thrombos, thrombocyto, uh, what was it? The vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia. He called that out right in the beginning. Hired microbiologist, Dr. Sukrit Bakadi. Uh, doctor, thank you for getting up early for all of us, for all these policies, lockdowns, social distancing. Uh, which, in your view, has been the most injurious to the public and not suited to the science? The looming vaccination. I argue she didn't expect that, by the way. She per- clearly set him up. Like, what do you think? Mass lockdowns? What do you think? He's like, vaccines are bad. Because <laughs> uh, even Fox didn't tow that line, especially not back then. Well, so you believe that the COVID vaccine is not necessary? I think it's downright dangerous. Yeah. And I warn you, if you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom. That's a big statement. December 2nd, 2020. By the way, for those, I'm interested if those who have the means, remember this girl? She was one of the first people to get it. Or Tiffany Dover, for example, these like these big ones that got focused on. Who knows if they ever even got it? Who knows if they got a shot that did, well, you know, ended up just being saline by accident, you know, because the mRNA broke down in the lipid nanoparticles, as Dr. Cole points out. Who knows? But I'm interested to find out if we know what's going on with them today, right? But anyway, he he says this in 2020 that if you do this, you'll go to your doom, man. And we played it all the way back then. Damn, was he right? On these lines, you are going to. Go to your doom. And it's my testimony today that this vaccine program would have been stopped February 1st of 2021 because of excess mortality. Uh, And as a result, thousands of Americans have died needlessly because of recklessness on the part of our federal agencies. Younger, healthy people are dropping dead, and that never happened before. And they're dropping dead in alarming numbers, and disabilities are skyrocketing. The pathway to, to prevent any more harm is all the vaccines need to be pulled off the market and withdrawn. That needs to happen immediately. The entire U.S. population, as well as the world, has to understand they can no longer take these COVID vaccines. These are, they are toxic and lethal to and ineffective that they have completely failed. They can only be viewed as harmful, and they need to be stopped. And I warn you, if you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom. Hmm. It's only so much you can ignore out there. You know, these are all highly credentialed doctors. Here's our great interview. Uh, Taylor Hudak conducted 
I, look, I did. I said it right there. I made this thumbnail myself. What is cerebral venous thrombosis? Oh, excuse me. I said VITT. Another. I think he mentioned this one as well. But in this interview, he was very adamant about cerebral venous thrombosis, and he was right. All the way back then, this was this was April 2021. But this was being stated in the beginning. I mean, my God, what it takes to have the courage to do that then, knowing you're right, even though you know everyone's going to attack you, and hold that line all this time. Here, Brian Sanders posts this. I sat down with British cardiologist Asima Holtra to talk about how he completely reversed his thinking on the jab. He's actually published two papers in a peer-reviewed journal about them doing more harm than good. It's great to see people can keep an open mind and change. I agree with that. But not everybody agrees with that. It was on Good Morning Britain in February 2021, tackling vaccine hesitancy, explaining to people that they shouldn't be concerned about the COVID vaccines. And then over time, and people will, will hear more about that when they go to Rumble, um, the evidence that emerged around it changed quite considerably for me to a point where now, um, and people will, will hear more about that when they go to Rumble, um, the people that they shouldn't be concerned about the COVID vaccines. And then over time, and people will... will Sorry, I, I don't mean to jump. I thought I missed something there. I mean, so I'm just going to start over and I won't stop it again. Britain in February 2021, tackling vaccine hesitancy, explaining to people that they shouldn't be concerned about the COVID vaccines. Oh, right. OK. And then over time, and people will will hear more about that when they go to Rumble, um, the evidence that emerged around it changed quite considerably for me. Now, that's an interesting point, right? Did it change, though? I mean, he saw information that changed his mind, but did the evidence change? Like, I don't like a lot of them are kind of doing this where like, OK, then how did Dr. Bakhti know? Right. I'm not trying to criticize or call it. I just, what's interesting, though, is instead of, you know, it's, it's a way to make it seem like it wasn't necessarily like you didn't miss something, even though he's owned it. He really has come out and said, like, you know, I was wrong and so on. I just, you know, it's frustrating that there's like this willingness to kind of a. Uh, the, the, my point is the evidence was there. Clearly. We saw it. We called it out. So did Bakhti. So did a lot of people. So I don't, I just, I take issue with that. It, it changed. Let's put it that way. But yeah, there was more coming out from more people at that point. To a point where now. Yeah, it, well, yeah, somebody makes a great point that, you know, and we talked about this as well, that his dad died. And, and, and maybe that was the evidence he's talking about, that he saw a real world example in front of him that changed his perspective. And then he engaged with the stuff that was already there and realized it. Right. I mean, however you want to look at it. I just wanted to point that out, though, because you can't pretend that, that Bhakti saw something that he knew back then, but then pretend that nobody would have seen it until it changed at this point. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's about a, a, the blinders, the, the, the dam we're talking about. And it just somehow got removed for him. And I'd love to find out why. It's almost a U-turn in terms of trying to balance the risks and benefit. And that's what I've done with my paper is cut through that so that people are more are better informed about what the benefit is of the COVID vaccines versus the potential harms. Um, and that's where, really where we're at. And I'm, it's my duty and responsibility as a doctor when the evidence changes, it's important that we change with the evidence and we tell the public that, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, a lot's changed in the past couple of years and it's always yeah. seems to not, not change um, what the big health authorities are telling us. So I'm glad you got that paper published. 
And we're going to move on to the presentation here. And oh, man, it's, I'd love to be in these people that have these like highly produced things. And it's like, man, there's so many people that would be better suited. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but it's like, God, just give me, give me the opportunity to sit down with him and do this interview. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. And, and with this kind of high level production. And so people could just cut on over to rumble. It's still food lies. And we'll, uh, we'll do the presentation. Great stuff. Look forward to it. Right. Fantastic. Right. The point is that it's, that's even this is kind of soft hitting, Maholtra's come out very clearly and been like, these things need to stop. All of them need pulled until we know otherwise, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, that's the important reality. Now, here's another contrasting example. Here's an Australian doctor that we already talked about, right? The, the one and her, her and her wife both had vaccine injuries, and they're both pretty severe, and they're still ongoing. But uh, contrasting, I think this is Milk Bar TV making this the, with what she said before. Now, this is not meant to, you know, I mean, it's criticize, criticism where criticism is due, right? Just like with Maholtra. We can point out where he was saying the opposite. Now he's changed his mind, right? But it, same point. Why did they not know then, right? It's, it can't just be their personal experience that changes this. They had the experience, which then triggered them to look further into it. The point is, before that, for whatever reason, they weren't. They were just, as the other one told you, trusting the agencies. That's the point. So listen, watch this again. And she's somebody who is now aware of it because she got hurt. But it shouldn't take us to get hurt before we just engage with the evidence. It's all there. Former top doctor is calling for more research into COVID jabs after experiencing a vaccine injury. Uh, Dr. Phelps, good morning. You and your wife both suffered vaccine injuries. Can you take us through what happened? Well, in Jackie's case, we obviously did a lot of homework about uh, the vaccines and uh, went along. To- but see, like I said last time. Clearly not enough. I mean, how would you argue you did enough homework if you didn't see what you now see? It wasn't just your experience, because what she says is now they've there's more that she's she's calling for more investigation. I just this I don't it's just frustrating that this is what research was done. Would you just look up look up what the CDC said? I mean, I mean it's interesting how how could it be different now than before? Uh, you know, again, we're highlighting that dam and how whatever shifted there, she's now willing to look at the things she wasn't before have the vaccines done uh, because we believe that on the balance of risks and benefits that that was the, the best thing to do. Nope. And within minutes of having the vaccine, she had a quite severe reaction with uh, uh, numbness of the hands and feet, tingling all over her body, uh, her head feeling like it was going to explode, uh, pain. And, uh, and then over the weeks and months following that. Uh, that's how you know it's working, guys. Like, like Fauci said, that's okay. Your head's going to explode. That's how you know it's working really well. The condition continued and uh, she'd seen a number of specialists and, and the conclusion was that she had had uh, an, an injury related to the vaccine. And uh, I went back and had the second vaccine. And, and in my case, I developed a reaction where my blood pressure, my pulse rate and my temperature was, uh, was going up and down all over the place and uh, with some quite distressing symptoms and, and persisting for, for quite some time. And, uh, and I was diagnosed with a vaccine-related dysautonomia. These are serious side effects. Why did the medical regulator, APRA, warn doctors then, as you claim, not to speak out about these vaccine side effects? We'd have to ask APRA themselves about their motivation, but certainly quite a number of doctors that I've spoken to have felt impeded in speaking out about uh, their concerns about vaccine adverse events because of the statement made by 
APRA that uh, that doctors shouldn't say anything that was uh, going to impede the government's vaccine rollout. Yeah, so, so it doesn't matter. We don't care what's happening. If 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 your if your provable information somehow makes this guy over here not take it, then shut up. Right? We don't care. That's I mean, you don't you can't misunderstand that. Don't speak about your problems because your problems don't matter, even if they're real, because it'll scare them from getting their shot and them getting their problems, which clearly we want, apparently. Here's what she said before this. But I've really had a gutful of MPs who think it's their place to give their opinions about unproven treatments for COVID-19 when that goes against the carefully considered science on the subject. Experience. Dang it. I was going to say what she now realizes is wrong, right? It's amazing to watch this. It's we are watching the breakdown of the propaganda pipeline in real time, whether that's medical, scientific, prop foreign policy. It's the same game. Just like we saw the Poland discussion completely expose the propaganda pipeline where they all just toe the line. It's the same thing here, guys. It's the same thing. To watch this in real time and watch them try to struggle on either side of it, these people either don't realize they're being played or don't care. Thank God some of them have the courage to stand up and go, yeah, okay, finally, I see it now. Some of them. Fully considered science on the subject. Craig Kelly has form on both these counts. So effective when it comes to saying, uh, you know, safe and effective, we're flying blind. We don't know the data. Craig, we have seen deaths from COVID. We've seen sickness. Mm -hmm. We've seen mass job losses, hundreds of billions of dollars spent in government stimulus. Mm -hmm. All our hopes are riding on a vaccine. You need to be quiet. In his Facebook feed, in his media appearance. You need to be quiet. In his Facebook feed, in his media appearances, and even in the Federation Chamber of Parliament House, he talks about medications that, in his view, should be used to treat COVID-19, when the world's medical experts have said that the evidence just isn't there. It's hard (laughs) enough keeping the health advice clear and concise so that we all know what to do to keep ourselves, our friends, our families, and our community safe. Right, so blindly follow what you're told from the authority. That's what she just said. We don't want your complicated facts and scientific studies. We want the clear and concise direction in one sentence from the authority. That's what we want. That's what she did, and now she's hurt by it. And I have no, I have no pleasure in that. It's very sad, because she was fooled. But think about that guy who's out there trying to inform you and being told to shut up by the news. I mean, or excuse me, by the propaganda stenographers. I mean, it's just mind-blowing how obvious this is. And they still don't see it in most places, in these circles. They still think ivermectin is conspiracy horse-based. I mean, it's mind-blowing. Without this unhelpful distraction, please leave the medical commentary to the medical experts. But I think it's very important with this new vaccine, uh, it's only been around for you know less than two years, that it's time that we put some research funding and some real effort into looking at the, the causes. Now we want it. Now, after this, right? Now, after 90% of the population's already been forced to take it. Got it, right? I mean, I just, I can't, I, part of me doesn't feel bad for this kind of situation where you're involved with shouting people down, forcing people to get it, removing people's freedoms, and then when you get hurt by it, now suddenly your tune changes. You know, I feel for her because she was, I mean, whether, who knows, maybe she's lying, but li- looks likely she was fooled. But I just have a hard time giving anybody kind of a pass with that. That's not okay, you know, especially when you're in a position of power. So you should be legally culpable for the things you did to people. Doubt that will happen, though. For the vaccine 
adverse events that people are experiencing. We really don't know. This is the whole problem. We, we have all these uh, so-called local experts running out saying safe and effective, safe and effective. Return to primary school classrooms should be delayed until vaccination levels are optimal. But we just don't know the data. Which needs research, needs funding and needs a big effort. Yeah. Great clip. Milk Bar TV is doing a good job breaking these things down. Well, now let's compare everything we just saw today to this expert, so-called, right? Mr. Hotez. Everything we just saw. I mean, just in this one show, you can, if you really want to compare what we've done for three years to what he's saying here, it'll blow your mind. Numerous experts, way, way more educated and credentialed than this guy, out there telling you these are bad and dangerous because of the science. Right. Because of the peer reviewed studies, because of the British Medical Journal, because of the Lancet, because of the CDC's own study that shows you have four time higher risk getting infected. All of this stuff. Right. Just across the board and not in most importantly today, the discussion of the IgG4 and whether that's going to, I don't know, break the entire planet or however this goes forward. So consider all of this in in comparison to this guy. He says anti-vaccine activism. So your willingness to speak your mind about the facts we just showed you, which he actually calls anti-science aggression. So apparently people that are more educated than him on the topic are anti-science because they disagree with him. Not because they did it, but because they say it. That's activism. Has now become a major killing force globally. Now I'm going to do another part about this coming forward. Just because I have more information about this in general, and we're going to do another post uh, in, the, in the days to come about this, but I want to compare it to this next part which I will bring up again in this next the segment going forward, not just about him, but the larger body of these false prophets of the medical industry today who are actively towing lines that are being proven to be false and then t- saying you're killing people by not blindly doing the dangerous thing. This is interesting. Somebody shared this with me, and this is to finish today in, the, in our Discord. Thank you, by the way, for sharing this. New research shows great division over corona vaccinations. Now, this is a translated article. You can read it for yourself. I think it's in uh, Dutch, in Denmark. But so we'll just go to the study itself. Here's what it says. You're going to love this, guys. December 8th, 2022. And this is literally talking about people just like Hotez and other people that are unjustly treating you like you're a a dangerous person because of your opinion. Just just to be clear again, that does not say anti-vaccine mind you know action because one thing would be arguing saying you know going out there and being anti-vaccine and protesting and not doing it yourself is hurting other people but what he's saying is your activism could literally mean writing an article activism could mean handing out flyers could mean what i'm doing right now if you want to frame it that way i don't think it's framed as activism my point is he's saying your ability to speak about what you we are proving today that your free speech is becoming a major killing force globally. In fact, in his article, which again, I'll go into in the next show, literally says that people who are speaking about these things are killing more people globally than terrorism. I am not making that up. How can you not see the words are violence game that they're playing? They are trying to create a world where you're not allowed to challenge them as they're being completely destroyed in the narrative game right now. Think about how alarming that is. If we allow them to take control over this, it won't matter everything we just showed you because you just won't be allowed to say it. So this part is important because it's the truth. I mean, well, it's the scientific representation of what we all seem to know. And, you know, it's a study. They could be wrong. They could be lying and so on. 
but I think there's far more real-world evidence that backs this up. Discriminatory attitudes against the unvaccinated during a global pandemic. Now, it says here we assess whether people express discriminatory attitudes in the form of negative effect, stereotypes, and exclusionary attitudes in family and political settings across groups defined by COVID-19 vaccination status. We quantify discriminatory attitudes between vaccinated and unvaccinated citizens in 21 countries. We demonstrate, here's the important part, that vaccinated people express discriminatory attitudes towards the unvaccinated as high as the discriminatory attitudes suffered by common targets like immigrant and minority populations. You got to love that. So all these people out there, obviously today, arguably a much more liberal mindset that are attacking people, being discriminatory against people that have no injections in their body. You can't come in here. You're hurting people. You're not allowed to go in the park. I'm going to call the police on you, whatever it is, or just treating them like they're bad people on Twitter, acting like you're don't care about society that you're a, or as Trudeau would point out, you're a misogynist, a conspiracy theorist. All that's discrimination. All of it. It's just allowable discrimination today because they don't like it. So the point is, all these people that are screaming about how important it is to stop racism, to stop discrimination, to make it an equitable world are by and large the ones doing it the most in this context. What it says again, that the vaccinated people being discriminatory against unvaccinated was as high as discriminatory attitudes suffered by immigrants and minority populations like black people, like anything else. So they're the ones yelling at you and saying that is a problem. Now, look, racism is in general a problem, but I argue it's not something you can necessarily solve. People can suck sometimes. People can be racist. People can be disgusting. The point is that you don't have to be okay with it, but you don't try to force people to change their opinions. That's not how the world should work. The bottom line is, if they're the ones being discriminatory towards back, unvaccinated people at the same level that they say is the world's biggest problem, talk about hypocrisy. Here's the most important part, though. In contrast, there's an absence of evidence that unvaccinated individuals display discriminatory attitudes towards vaccinated people. <laughs> Look at that. Now, that is really interesting. Now, I could have told you that. Not because I know that, but because in my experience, people that are on this side of the argument are not necessarily trying to force people to do what they want in their lives because that's why they chose this because they're like, look, choice is what's important. I'm going to make one. Now, there's not everybody. There's, there are some people on this side of the argument that have gone out of their way to attack people that are vaccinated. And you know what? In, a lar- in a, some way, you can understand it. I don't agree with it, but you understand it because they're being persecuted. So they lash out. But what they're simply saying is they don't see the there's an absence of evidence showing as much as they're seeing on the other side. It says we find evidence in support of discriminatory attitudes against the unvaccinated in every country except Hungary and Romania, which is interesting. Something to be said about those countries. It says elites and the vaccinated general public appear appealed to moral obligations, unjustified, to increase COVID-19 vaccine uptake. But the present findings suggest that discriminatory attitudes, including support for the removal of fundamental rights, simultaneously emerged. It's just gross dumpster file, dumpster fire level hypocrisy. Bad. To the point to where they're so desperate not to engage with it and acknowledge it that they just plug their ears, stomp their feet and don't want to. That's what we're seeing today. As the narrative collapses, they've committed to a narrative. Now, I will argue, by the way, as much as I do agree with this, that it's probably already changed, if not going to very soon. Because 
what I would argue is that we're stepping quickly into a reality that justifies some concern, not discrimination, but the reality of the situation that people that do have this in their body, well, there's concern there. The problem now becomes that we're talking about a strong minority of people in the world. If we believe the numbers, if we argue that 90% of the population's had at least one shot, well, that's a problem for people that want to try to avoid that. And they have a right to. Now, I promise you that in and of itself will lead to some kind of discrimination, which my point is simply pointing out is that this situation has created that. Now, on one side, it's aggressively unjustified to discriminate against people for making their own medical choices. I think it's unjustified to discriminate in general. But on the other side of it, if you do have people that do, in fact, have provable levels of spike protein and mRNA that are shedding off their body or whatever in their bloodstream, which one spike proteins are provably shedding, and we do know mRNA is in the bloodstream, and we've proven this in these concepts, then there is a valid concern there in regard to some levels of, of society. So I'm simply pointing out that this will go in that direction if this can, and as this continues, especially if they continue to harp on the people that just wanted to make their own choices. But how exactly, <laughs> I mean, how obvious is this? I think the obvious reality here, guys, is that this is everything we thought it was from the very beginning. That there's an alarming reality happening here. There's an alarming agenda playing out at some really nefarious level. And this is hurting people, and they appear to know that. And it's being forced for some unknown reason that we could certainly theorize about. I'd probably even get it right. But at the end of the day, that it's just about forcing you in any means necessary to get these things in your body. And I think that we continue to be proven to be making the right choices. I mean, look, it's never the wrong choice to stand by your deter, like to want to make your own decision. Now, even if the decision is wrong, it wasn't wrong for you to hold, to stick to your guns, to make that decision. So I think it's very clear. The evidence is astoundingly obvious and you yet just still have people out there calling you a bad person for not doing what they still believe is the right thing or are too afraid to acknowledge was never the right thing. It's that clear. And just like my title says today, nobody, nobody should be taking these. They are dangerous for everybody. No one should be taking them. That's backed up by the science. That's backed up by the experts. Now, I'm sure that will cause problems. But as always, I have never pulled punches. And I've consistently been ahead of this narrative from the very beginning. That's not my opinion. Just look at the track record. And it's partly because I am not blinded by partisan manipulations partly because I dive into the evidence as much as possible, partly because you guys dump a lot of this in front of me and we have a great circle and community. And partly because I'm just not afraid to step out into the, you know, the, the, the wide open and make it, you know, and state this and which we were a long time ago at a time when, you know, you're going to get pushback. Some people, even in the independent media will kind of play it safe and wait for it to be acceptable to say certain things. And I'm just, that's just not what we do here. We're about the truth at all costs, including our own, like, whatever you want, a reputation, whatever else. I will go out on a limb to tell you what I believe the truth is, no matter what. And you guys know this. That's why you're here. So share it out, guys. There's a lot to continue to discuss. A lot of great things coming your way. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you can't
cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy. 
where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.